Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Nader Mansour and I pray this message will draw you closer to Jesus. Okay, so today we're uh, talking about what's in a name. What's in a name? And uh, of course, uh, if, if as soon as I mention the word name, you know, in the scriptures, it talks a lot about name. And uh, the word name in the scriptures has a number of meanings. Uh, one important aspect is that we take on a certain name when we become a Christian, when we are born, when we are baptized, uh, we take on a certain name. And a name becomes a particular uh, identifier. It, has, it means identity. It means a number of things. So I want to explore certain aspects of what name means today and, and its practical relevance uh, for us. For example, in the world today, uh, the world is uh, very much concerned with names and what a, what a name means. It's very important. Uh, uh, one particular fruit today is actually more famous as the name of a tech company than a fruit. You know what uh, fruit I'm talking about? Apple. So when I say apple, uh, usually in days ago, you'd immediately think of the fruit. But today, if I say apple, you might not necessarily think of the fruit. You might think of a technological gadget. What has happened is this group of people, this company, has succeeded in making a particular name mean something. So much so that it has uh, appealed to a lot of people and uh, they've, they've made themselves quite famous. They've made a name in that particular field. So... Like I said, the Bible has a lot to say about names, and uh, there are a lot of meanings uh, for names. Let's turn our Bibles to uh, Proverbs 22 and see what the Bible here says regarding the possession of a name. Proverbs chapter 22. So if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, let's go to Proverbs chapter 22, and we want to examine what name signifies particularly for us who profess the name Christian. Because if, if someone asks us, what are you? The first thing we would say, or one of the top things we would say is Christian. Well, what does that mean? And is it important to have a good name? Verse one, Proverbs 22, verse one says the following. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. So here it tells us that it is a good thing to have a good name. That's a good thing. That's something desirable. That's something that should be uh, sought after to have a good name. What does it mean to have a good name? Good character. Say again, sorry. Trustworthy. That's a good point. Having a good name. Uh, the verse actually gives us an indication because it's written in a parallel way. It says, and loving favor more than, than great, uh, sorry, more than silver and gold. Loving favor is good favor or a good reputation or a good character, trustworthiness. Having a good name is something that is important, something that is actually commended by the wise man. Now, the, the dictionary definition for name, if you look up name, you'll find it means a variety of things. It means character, it means position, it means authority, honor, identity. All these things, all these aspects are involved in having a good name. That's what a good name means. And the wise man here says that we are to have a good name. But the question is, how do you obtain a good name? How do you actually obtain this good name? Now, we, we agreed, according to the verse, it's a good thing to have a good name. But the verse doesn't actually tell us how we can obtain that good name. So the question is how we can obtain this good name. According to the Bible, there's only one right way to make a good name or to have a good name. There's only one right way. We want to explore that right way because there is a very... Uh, appealing counterfeit for that right way. And that appealing counterfeit uh, uh, is uh, very common among us today. It can even infiltrate the church, and that's where I want to explore that danger and see the two aspects together. But before going into a good name, <clears throat> I think we all know there's all kinds of varieties of ways to make a bad name for yourself. Isn't that right? As a person, you know, if you behave badly, talk about people, or just behave in an un, uh, unseemly manner, you very quickly make a bad name. So much so that, you know, your name becomes associated with your bad behavior. 
For example, we refer, oh, this is such and such person. And straight away, the first thoughts that come to mind is all these bad things that they would have done. And a good example of that is that if I mention the name Hitler, what's the thing that you think of straight away? A Holocaust, some horrible atrocity, something very bad. This man has succeeded in making himself a bad name. Not only uh, people, but even companies. A company can make, uh, give themselves a bad name if they have bad service, if they have a bad product, if something is deficient, they very quickly develop a bad name. So the reputation that is associated with, associated with the name is very, very important. Whether good or whether bad, it has great ramifications. So there are many ways to obtain a bad name. And these are obvious things that we should, uh, as people, not just Christians, avoid. We don't want to have a bad name. But uh, <clears throat> there is another way to actually make uh, a bad name thinking that you are making yourself a good name. There's a very outstanding example in the scriptures of a group of people who wanted to obtain a good name. And what happened is the exact opposite. And that same problem that these people had is a problem that is very common today. That's where I want to explore. And, and the story is recorded in the book of Genesis chapter 11. So let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 11. Very, very early on in the scriptures. Genesis chapter 11. And this method appears good on the surface but it actually is quite dangerous. Genesis chapter 11, and we will read the first four verses. Genesis 11, verses 1 to 4. And here is what the Bible says. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to... Let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. This is, of course, the building and the builders of the Tower of Babel. One outstanding desire that they had in building the tower was that they would make a, a name. Now that's very, very significant. They wanted to have a great name. This is the foundation stone for the system that developed from that place, the system of Babylon. The foundation stone for Babylon is making a name. Now, we read in the scriptures that having a name, a great name, is a good thing. Having a good name is a good thing. So what these people wanted to do seems like it's a good thing. But we know that Babel has a lot of bad things associated with it. We don't think of Babylon as a good thing at all. And we want to see what the reason is and why they wanted to do what they did. You see, what uh, relevance this has for us today is we know in the last days... There is a message in the book of Revelation to come out of Babylon. Isn't that right? The, one of the foundation stones for Babylon, on which Babylon is built, is the desire to make a great name for themselves. And not only are we admonished to come out of Babylon, but we need to make sure that Babylon is out of us as well. You know, Babylon is not just a, which church you attend. It's not which place you are in. It's actually your state of mind. What is happening here? We can have Babylon right in our mind. So it's not, it's not where we are geographically, it's where we are spiritually in our mind, in our hearts. And so we, when we look at the principles in the foundation of the original Babylon, it helps us to see where we are at today. Because sadly there are many people today in the church as believers who still retain some principles of this Babylon. The foundation stone that we're seeing here is they had this desire and said, listen, we're going to make us a name, a great name, actually. They wanted to have a great reputation. They wanted to be known as the greatest tower builders in the world, right? They wanted to have this, this uh, awe and admiration of people when they said, oh, these are the people that built Babel, the Tower of Babel. Wow. Some healthy respect, maybe even some fear. That's what they wanted to accomplish. And... Uh, how many times do we behave that way today as well? 
That's a challenge. That's a question. I want to I make sure we draw the practical aspects here today because, like I said, this is an issue that's very relevant for us. How many times do we behave that way? We have a desire, an innate desire, to make a great name, to have a good reputation. These are all good things, but there is a real serious danger that we want to uncover. Uh, in the world today, this is how the world runs. The world that we live in today runs on everyone wanting to make a good name for themselves. You realize that? Whether it be people, whether it be groups, whether it be companies, whether it be countries, everyone wants to make a great name for themselves. And being born and raised in this world, that attitude and that mentality rubs off on us whether we realize it or not. So much so that it actually begins to manifest in the place where it shouldn't, in the church. And we see that today as well. In the church, we see uh, ministers trying to make a name for themselves, or preachers. We even see ministries trying to make a good name for themselves, to have a good reputation, to have an honorable position, so that when that person's name is mentioned, or when that ministry's name is mentioned, people think highly of them. That desire really is similar to what was happening in the building of the Tower of Babel. Because having a good name is all about reputation, it's all about honor, it's all about respect and admiration from other people. So how is it with you and how is it with me? What is our motive? How do things... <clears throat> translate in our life? Is it all about making a good name? Are we going about trying to establish a good name and a good reputation? But how are we doing it? That's the question. And uh, like I said, in the world today, everything runs on a name. As a matter of fact, if you want to get a job in the world today, you are hired based on whether you have a good reputation or not. We have this CV, right, and resume. And in the resume, you try and tell the employer how good you are and what a great reputation you have, and all your great accomplishments and achievements, hoping that you will convince them to hire you. And then when they have all these applications, they go through the different resumes, and they try and find the, the most, uh, the person who has the greatest achievement, who will fit the role just right. This system starts all the way in school. That's how it is in school. You know, with, with grades and all the different things that we do, we try and compete almost with each other on a, on a very unconscious level, because it's, it's just so, all the time there and see who has a good name, who has a good grade. And so we are born and raised and, and bred with this mentality of you have to have a good name, make a good name. And all too often the burden of making a good name falls upon us. We feel that we have to do something, some great achievement, some great accomplishment, because that means we will have a good name, we'll have a good reputation. That's actually how you can get anywhere in this world. Isn't that right? In this world, that's how it works. But sadly, that's not how it works in the church. It shouldn't anyway. But to a large degree, we have that problem. And, and that's what I want to explore, like I'm saying. Uh, recently, the, the Olympics were on, right? And in the Olympics, we have all the different countries come together and they fight over who's the best at this particular sport and this particular jump, and this particular activity. And it's a battle. And then, you know, everybody watches the, the medal tally. And, and when you mention, say, figure skating, bang, one country comes to mind, the ones who got the gold, the gold medal. I don't know who got it. I'm just using that as an example. But each country wants to be respected and admired as being the best in that field. That is the building block of Babylon. That's what these tower builders wanted. They wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted the name Babel when it was mentioned. It would drive fear, admiration, and respect in people's minds and hearts for the builders of that tower. So it's all around us. Like I said, we absorb it. We absorb that thinking, and we become changed, changed as a result of that thinking. I want to uh, use an example and bring it a little closer to home, <clears throat> and hopefully you start to see where this is going. Uh, brand names are something that's very common today. I already mentioned one brand name earlier. Brand names are so common, and a lot of companies go to great length and expense to ensure that their brand name has a lot of respect and a good reputation. 
And a good example of this is when you go shopping down the aisle in the in supermarket, and when you want to f pick a food item, if, if you have a certain respect for a certain brand, you will prefer the food item that has that brand's name rather than another food item. Isn't that right? You'll say, oh, but this brand is good. This is this. Uh, if, if this is from this brand, say it's organic, right? Some, a lot of people are into organic. So if it has organic, okay, I'll pick the organic. Or if it's this particular company, there might be different, all different foods, sorry, all the same food, but different companies, but you pick one particular one that you have come to believe is reputable, is good. That's brand naming. That's the successful branding by the companies. The problem is this, brothers and sisters, we have the same mentality too often when it comes to spiritual things. We brand name certain ministers, certain churches, or certain ministries. I'll give you an example. For example, if there is a sermon by a certain someone, you look at the name, and based on the name, you will actually have a lot of trust in what the content is even before you hear it. Or you won't read a certain book unless it has a certain church's brand on it. If it doesn't have that church's brand, then you don't believe that book has any truth. Or if it's a certain ministry, you will trust whatever comes from that ministry because you have come to believe that ministry has a good name or a good reputation. And the danger is, brothers and sisters, we begin judging truth not as much as we should by the Bible, but by who has a good name. You know what I'm talking about? That's how the world runs, and it's just jumped straight into the church. It's like a, a, certain, if a certain minister preaches a few good sermons consistently. That's it. Everything he says can be trusted. Be careful. There is danger in that. That's... Sorry? Yes, I realize not all of us do that. That's a good thing. None of us should do that at all. But sadly, subconsciously, sometimes that happens. And I've seen that a number of times. So I'm glad to hear that. Praise the Lord. What was the motive for the builders of the Tower of Babel? It said it in the verse. What was the motive for them to try and have a good name? For themselves. It says there at the last part of verse 4, it says, Lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Their motive was self-preservation. Isn't that right? Self-preservation. They wanted to build this company, this conglomerate, this, this uh, gathering of people that no one could break apart. And in part of building that gathering of people together, is they said, we need to have a good name for ourselves. We're going to build a tower. Not only will we have a physical structure, we're going to have a structure in people's minds so that we cannot be scattered across the face of the earth. And having a structure in people's minds is having a name, having a reputation. And this is why I'm talking about Babylon being in the mind. It's where the battle really is in the last days. Now that sounds good, but at the heart of it, it is really a selfish motive. It is a selfish motive to build a good name by these builders was a motive based on self, self-preservation, self-glory, and a desire to preserve self so that nothing can break them apart. It was actually God's plan that man would spread over the whole earth and populate the earth. And these people said, no, we're going to pull together in one place, and we're going to concentrate in one place, and we're going to build our own structure, our own system of worship, our own city. And we don't want anyone to interfere with it. And the way to do that is we're going to build us a good, reputable, fearful name. And no one will be able to scatter us. That was their desire. And so, of course, what happened is exactly what they didn't want. Let's look at verse 8. Same chapter. Notice what happened here. Verse 8. It says, So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Exactly what they did not want happened. And too often, brothers and sisters, this is what happens when we are on a mission to build ourselves a name. We come in conflict with God's plan. Because selfishness and a desire to promote self is directly opposite to God's character and God's will and God's plan. And this is the conflict of Babylon. And many times this is the conflict that we have. Too often, we seek and desire that which God does not want for us. And we try and protect it so that it doesn't get scattered. But God's plan is for our good. 
You know, it was a good thing that God did this in Babylon. Only, only God knows what would have happened in the world if he did not interfere and uh, confuse the languages and scatter them. And, and they stopped building, building the tower. Selfishness and pride are extremely contrary to God's character, to God's system. And this is our problem today. Too often in the church, because that is what the natural heart is. And this is what we constantly need to keep our eyes open for. Now, <clears throat> many times, uh, like I said, growing up in the world, there's so much competition, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be in school, whether it be in everything. And so we quickly realize that to get somewhere, I have to be the best at what I'm doing. And while that desire is good in and of itself, too often it masks a selfish desire for commendation, for approbation, and for respect and honor. And like I said, this is the problem that has come into the church today. The, count, the, the, the opposite of this, God's plan for giving or making a good name for us and how he wants us to have a good name is totally different. And that's why I want to explore it a little bit. But I wanted to lay the foundation. I want, you, I want us to all see the danger and uncover a little bit the problem that exists in Babylon, in the Tower of Babel, in the building of that. Now, the, the alternate plan is actually in the next chapter. Genesis chapter 12. Let's have a look at the right way to make a good name and how we can obtain a good name in the example of someone that God called in Genesis 12 verses 1 and 2. Let's have a look at what God says here. Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 and 2. And it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Interesting. God called Abraham, told him, Abraham, leave your country, leave your people, go to that land, and I'm going to take charge of certain things, Abraham. I'm going to bless you, and I also I'm going to do something. I'm going to make sure that you have... A great name. That's exactly what the builders of the Tower of Babel wanted. But they tried to accomplish it through their own work and achievements. They said, we will make for ourselves a good name and a great name. God told Abraham, Abraham, you follow what I say. I will take it upon me. It will be my responsibility, Abraham, to make sure that you have a great name. You see the difference? That's a very, very important principle. This is God's way versus Babylon's way of obtaining a great name. In other words, God, in other words, God is telling you and me through the story of Abraham, it's not your job or your responsibility to try and earn or obtain a good name. A good name that is worthy is only obtained from the Lord. Your responsibility is to follow God's instruction, is to follow God's will. In doing so, God's promise is he will give you a great name or a great reputation or a great character. That comes as a result of following God's will. You see, <clears throat> God wants us to have a good name. We read that in Proverbs. There's no question about that. How we obtain that is our choice. Which path will we take? Will we take the path of Babylon or will we take God's appointed way and God's appointed means? Today, Abraham has a great name in three of the world's top religions, right? They all trace their origin to Abraham. Abraham's name is very famous. He's a, he's a character that's known all over the world. God kept his promise. Abraham did not have to try and do anything to give himself a good name. All he did was he kept his Focus on God and in following God's directions. That's a very significant result. How is it with you and how is it with me? You see, what happened in this circumstance is God actually entrusted Abraham with his name. God had made a deal, so to speak, with Abraham. He said, Abraham, listen, if you do this and do that and go out of your country... This is what I'm going to do. It was a deal, so to speak. 
Abraham kept his end of the bargain and God kept his end of the bargain. But the same thing happens with us today, brothers and sisters. Uh, in essence, what God told Abraham is this. Abraham, if you care more about me and my name, I will make sure that I take care of you and your name. Isn't that right? That's what happened. He said, Abraham, if you do this, I will bless you. I'll bless you in such a way that the whole earth will know about it. And I will make your name great. You see, uh, brothers and sisters, today God has entrusted us, his people, with his name. And his appeal to us is this. If you care more about my name than your reputation and your name, then I will make sure that you have a good name and a good reputation. Hope you realize what, uh, what that means. Let's go to Numbers chapter 6 and see why we're saying what we're saying. Numbers chapter 6. Abraham was the father of Israel, of course, and this is how that is brought out in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 27. Numbers chapter 6 and verse 27. And here it says, And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Putting God's name upon the children of Israel. In other words, God entrusts Israel with his name. So how Israel behaves and how Israel makes choices reflects an impact on whose name? On God's name. Very significant. And the purpose of God putting his name on Israel is because Israel were going to be his representatives, of course. It was through Israel that God's name was going to be published and proclaimed through all the earth. But Israel is a type for us today. Let's look at Deuteronomy. Let's go to the next, next book. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 10. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 10. And it says here, And all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. All people of the earth will see. Having God's name, possessing it, and our behavior and our decisions in possessing God's name is to be made apparent and manifest to the world. It actually makes apparent and manifest what God's name is like. And the purpose was, if Israel was faithful to God, that the whole world would see that, would see that they were called by God's name, and that they would be afraid of them. And what's afraid of them mean here? Okay, respect. Not just terrified of them, as in fearful, but also have a very healthy respect for them. This was God's promise to them. That's what happened with Abraham, isn't that right? And that's, what God, that's God's plan for us today as well. In other words, God says, listen, your reputation is my business. If you make my reputation your priority and your business. <clears throat> God's uh, desire is that his people would spread his character and what he is really like to the world. Because what has happened today is God's name has been muddied. God's character has been tarnished. The whole great controversy and Satan and, and what has happened has really cast, uh, a cast God's name in a false light. And God's name needs to be cleared up. It's like, you know, when you have a, uh, someone who's been accused and in the, in the trial, they either have their name cleared or they are found guilty. So an accusation has now been put forward against God and against his name. His name has been muddied. And God entrusts you and me with the task of clearing his name. You realize that? That's what it means when you told Abraham to do what he did. That's what it means when he told Israel, put my name on them and all the world will see. In your behavior, they will see my name. They will see my character. And in so doing, it actually clears or it should clear God's name. In essence, we are God's lawyers. The question is, are we doing a good job as his lawyers, or are we helping the opposition? Are we helping the accuser? That's the challenge, that's the question. You see, 
Like I said, God's name has been tarnished and distorted, but not just by Satan. Let's go to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. <clears throat> and in Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is speaking. Of course, he's writing to the Romans. Romans chapter 2. <clears throat> and in chapter 1, he's dealing with the Gentiles and what the Gentiles do. In chapter 2, he's dealing with God's professed people, with the Jews. Verses 22 down to 24. Romans chapter 2, verses 22 to 24. Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. Did you catch that? Here's Paul writing and referring to God's professed people. And he's saying, you know what? Because of you, God's name is actually blasphemed among the Gentiles. I want you to think about that for a minute. Because it's not just the Jews that this is referring to. We are God's professed people today. Is it possible that God's name today is being blasphemed because of you and me? Because, brothers and sisters, we have been entrusted with his name. Do our decisions and our actions reflect poorly on the name that we profess? That's what this means. Do we say one thing and do another? Do we behave in a way that we're too busy trying to establish our own great name? How is it with you and me? God has a name, brothers and sisters, and his name is a good name. He said it to Moses. You remember on the mountain, he said, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth. These are the characters of the God that we serve. And all these characters, all that is comprised in that name, God has entrusted to us. And he said, you be my witnesses. And the scripture says here, because of God's people and their failure, God's name is actually blasphemed even more among the Gentiles. It's a very, very serious thing to consider. His name is receiving negative publicity because of you and me. Is that possible? How many times have you seen unbelievers look at the behavior of a Christian, and especially when they mess up? It seems like the unbelievers only notice when Christians mess up, right? And they say, there you go. And they use that as an excuse not to believe. Now, we do mess ups from time to time. From time to time, I do realize that. But brothers and sisters, the overriding reason should not be because of selfish desire for attainment. The desire for a great name is an innate, inbuilt desire in each and every one of us because we are born in this world. It's something that comes so naturally to us and it's something that we know is wrong and so it gets masked in all kinds of ways and means, even in the church, and it becomes a very, very serious problem. The biggest problem is it starts reflecting badly upon God. And there are people, you know, brethren who see things that happen, all kinds of disputes, all kinds of differences, all kinds of issues. At the heart of it is a selfish desire. There is pride that is causing a lot of these issues. Doesn't that wise man say, only by, only by pride cometh contention. Isn't that right? And what happens as a result, the bigger picture is all the while God's name is getting muddied more and more. It's a very grave responsibility that God has entrusted us with his name. And all too often it's our name that matters more. He said this about me. She said this about me. He did that to me. And it's all about me and my name and my reputation and my pride and myself that has been hurt. Isn't that right? Something to really consider. Like I said, <clears throat> the way of the world has been so bred into us that we really have to go against the grain. And this is what being born again is all about. This is what being baptized and what the baptisms today signify. It's leaving this system and this way and this, this motive and this desire and all these things that are in, comprised in Babylon and it's choosing another way. 
It's realizing that God has a name. And my purpose in this world is actually to care about his name and his reputation and to further his name and reputation more than mine. And so doing, God says, if you do this, I, the God of the universe, I'm going to make it my business to take care of your name and your reputation. And Abraham is a classic example of that, like we said. This constant bombardment of the world has infiltrated the church to a great degree. Not just the church. I want to say the church, I, want, I don't want you to think of just one particular denomination or one particular structure. When I say the church, I mean everybody who professes to believe in the name of Christ, whether they are belonging to a particular organization or not. We are part of the church as well. So I'm referring to everyone. And uh, we end up giving God a bad name. And so I want to challenge you with a few questions, and, and this is the point of the study. <clears throat> How do you make decisions in your life? When you make decisions, do you ask yourself, how is this going to reflect on God's name? How is this going to reflect on God's reputation? I have been entrusted with that. Or do we forget about that when we make decisions? How is it with you, and how is it with me? Uh, now, God has kept his promise over the years, you know, the Bible says God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of a man that he should repent. What God promised to Abraham, he kept. And what God promised to his people, he kept. There was one time in our history as Seventh-day Adventists, we had a great name as health reformers at one point in history. Remember that? Early on in our, in our uh, history, there was the, the Battle Creek Sanitarium. And we were a small people in number, but we had a great name a great reputation when it came to health. You know why? Because we made it our business to follow and implement what God said. And God said, okay. And he blessed. And that blessing resulted in the whole world, actually, at the time, noticing this little group of people with this uh, sanitarium that actually caught the attention of the world. Today, I'm just using health as one example. This applies to all areas. Today, we have the reverse. We have a very extensive, as a, as a church, as an Adventist church, we have an extensive system of health care and hospitals and schools. But unfortunately, we don't have a reputation that is greater than much of the other hospitals or schools. You see, a good name and reputation does not come about because of great number and an intricate system. It comes about as a result of great faith. It's not a number. We were small, but we had a great name. And sadly, somewhere along the way, we've lost the, 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 how the whole thing works. And we thought, oh, a great name is in numbers and in presentation and in accomplishments and in intricate system of things. And that's what we associate with success, with reputation and greatness. And what happens as a result of that, when we adopt the way of the world, is we lose the way of God. It actually reflects negatively on God. The reason why I'm using this example uh, is I'm just illustrating the point that God's promise is faithful and true. It's not just in the Bible and that's it all time ago. This is just recent history. This is something that we're all familiar with. <clears throat> the Bible uh, tells us in the third commandment that we are not to take the name of the Lord in vain. That doesn't just mean when you speak. All right? Means when you, sorry? It means how you act. When we take on God's, we are professed followers of God. We have taken on his name. Have we taken his name on in vain? Have we taken on his name, but we're still busy trying to establish our own name or our own reputation or our own standing? When things concern us, do they concern us because something has happened to our name or to God's name? That's the question. How are we taking God's name? Is it in vain or not? We try and protect our name. We fight for our name. We try and defend our name. It's important to us. It's something that is uh, close to our heart. It's called self. So that's not surprising. What should be surprising is if we behave differently. Different to the way of the world. Names today are very important. Like I keep saying, you know, uh, groups have names, ministries have names, churches have names, and, and uh, names are so important today and what they mean that there's actually a legal way to protect a name. You trademark a name. If it has a certain reputation, so you trademark it so no one else can use it and abuse it. That's how important names are. 
That's what, how important reputation is. Uh, ministries have names too. Different ministries have different names. And, and many times, sadly, we have feuds and wars between ministries over what kind of names, not just the names that they will call each other, but the reputation. I'll give you a few examples. Many ministries go to great lengths to protect their name and reputation, even if that means cutting off certain brethren, not allowing or fellowshipping with others, slandering them, speaking against them, whatever it is, to give the impression in people's minds and to maintain a reputation, a good reputation, a good name. You know what I'm talking about? Some ministries... Uh, Make sure that uh, whoever they invite to speak is someone who passes a certain set of standards because if they don't and they come speak at their ministry, it might reflect badly or poorly on their ministry and their name and their reputation. This is something that is common among ministries. I'm not just talking about the church as such, you know, that organized church. This is something that happens among everyone as believers. Some ministries try and distinguish themselves as the experts in determining certain doctrines whether they be right, whether they be wrong, as the expositors. Some ministries make a speciality in, in being the doctrinal watchdogs of other ministries. If you mess up, that particular ministry is going to pull you up and show where you went wrong. What happens is this develops a reputation and a name. And then there de develops a desire to live up to that reputation, live up to that name and expand it. And what happens is it's a spiraling problem that is really akin to Babylon more than to God's way. You with me? You know what I'm talking about? It's a very serious matter. So why do we do the things we do? What is our motive? What drives us? Where does our decision-making come from? What's it based on? That's what I want to challenge you with. I don't know the heart. Only God knows the heart. Let's look at another example of someone who illustrated this principle in the best way possible. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Verses 5 to 7. Of course, this is speaking about Christ. An example of Christ is quite amazing in light of what we're talking about right here. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 7. It says, Let this mind be in your also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Christ made himself of no reputation. As far as he was concerned, his reputation was not on his mind. What was on his mind? His father's reputation. And as a result of that, notice what happened. Verse 9. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him, what? A name which is above every name. Isn't that what God promised Abraham? That's what God fulfilled for Christ as well. Christ made it his business to care about God's reputation and God's name above his own. And as a result of that, God has given him a more exalted name than anyone else. Christ is our example, isn't that right? How is it with you? How is it with me? What is foremost in your mind? Your reputation or God's reputation? But beware of the deception. Lest you be thinking that you're protecting God's reputation when really it is you. That is very common today. We really need to search our hearts, brothers and sisters, deeply and seriously. And what happened to Christ was because he cared about God's name. He said in his last prayer, uh, Father, I have glorified you in the earth. I have declared your name to my brethren and will declare it. That was his concern. It was God's name, God's character, God's reputation. He understood what he was entrusted with. The question is, do we understand what we are entrusted with, brothers and sisters? It's a very great responsibility. You know, I think God could have chosen angels to be his lawyers, but he chose sinners. He said, I'm going to trust you with my name. And I'm going to take your name as my trust and charge. I'll take care of your name. God is looking for a people, brothers and sisters, to bear his name 
accurately to the world. He's desperately looking for people to do that. People who will bear his name rightly to the world. These people are mentioned in the book of Revelation. Let's go to Revelation. Revelation chapter 14. God wants a people that he can point to and say, right there. If you want to know me and what I'm really like, look at them. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 1. And we're all familiar with this, I know, but I want us to look at it in this light as well. Revelation 14, 1 says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. Of course, we know this is all about the seal, 144,000, and all these end-time aspects and events that are important and that we uh, like to talk about from time to time. But I want you to think about this particular aspect here for a minute. Having the Father's name in the forehead is, is, is the seal of God, really. It means that these people have God's name foremost in their mind. So if, in other words, if you, if you open their mind, the first thing you're going to see is the Father's name. Isn't that right? That's part of the seal. So to receive the seal of God is to really put God and his name and his reputation and what he stands for as foremost in your mind above your own reputation and your own name. If you don't do that, are you going to get the seal? You won't get the seal. So the seal is not just something we do. It's not just something, uh, some behavior we find, uh, make sure we find ourselves engaged in. It is actually in the mind where our loyalty lies. The 144,000 have the Father's name written in their foreheads. That's how they are sealed. They have his character, they have his reputation, and his honor as their priority. That's his people. And uh, of course, <clears throat> how all that happens is through faith. That's what it is. That's what we're talking about here. Uh, the chapter on faith is which chapter? If I were to tell you the chapter on faith, Hebrews 11. Okay, so Hebrews 11 has a good name for being the chapter on faith, right? So straight away you think of it. Hebrews 11. Let's look at Hebrews 11. Just quickly here, we're just uh, closing off Hebrews chapter 11. And we want to look at how this takes place, these people. Because it has happened before, but not to the same extent as it will happen in the last days. But we have an example in the past of people who have had a similar experience. Verse 39 is what we want to look at. Verse 39 of Hebrews 11. <clears throat> After mentioning all these heroes of faith, right? It comes to the end of the chapter and verse 39 says, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. All these people obtained what? A good report. What does that mean? A good reputation, right? A good name. How did they obtain it? Through faith, through putting God first. Their priority was on God. They obtained a good report, and they are to receive the promise still in the future. That hasn't happened fully yet. But God took care of that part of the deal. They have a good name. As a matter of fact, we read about them. We talk about them. We actually sometimes aspire to be like them. Isn't that right? They have a good reputation, a good name. Why? Because they made it their business not to establish a good name for themselves, but to actually, by faith, establish God's name in their lives. By following what he says, God took care of taking care of their name. And not only will they have a good name in this, in this uh, world, you know, this is like God's honor list, so to speak. Not only in this world, but in the hereafter as well. Let's look at Reve uh, Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, and verse 17. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 17. See how this starts to relate with to us as well. We're not on our own in this. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 17. And here it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone... A new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Amen. That's God's promise for those who overcome. He will give 
us, each and every one of us, a new name. That's his promise. And that's his promise because the Bible says, if you are a Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Abraham's seed means what Abraham was promised, you receive. Part of what Abraham was promised was a great name, great reputation, a great character. That's not obtained or earned through your own effort and achievement. That's obtained by looking after God's name and God's character. Notice how Jesus said it to his disciples, Luke chapter 10 and verse 20. So I was saying it's not only in this world, but in the hereafter. Luke chapter 20 and verse 20. How the same thought is expressed. Luke chapter 10 and verse 20. Luke 10, 20. This is our last verse. And the Bible here says, <clears throat> Jesus speaking to his disciples. They went on the missionary trip. They were very excited. Jesus gave them all this power to heal, to cleanse, and to even cast out devils. And in verse 20, he says, Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. God's promise to give you a great name is not just in this world. It's going to be through eternity. It's going to be written in heaven. Can you imagine that, having your name written in heaven? That's God's promise to you. And me, if we are faithful, he will do it if we will let him. And so my challenge to you today, brothers and sisters, and my appeal is, are you in the business of giving God a good name or a bad name? We all want to say a good one. I want you to really examine your heart. Will you say, Lord, by your grace, help me to live my life as a means of establishing your name and your reputation, not mine. Will you make that your prayer? If you were blessed by this message, remember to subscribe and share it with others. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Your prayers and support are appreciated. May God richly bless you through His Son, Jesus.